Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now your hosts, Bela Sebro. She's the nice one. And Alan Skorsky. Uh, he's not so nice. But together they are the definitive rap. I'm Alan Skorsky with Bela Zebro, and welcome to the definitive rap, where we discuss the news items the mainstream media just won't touch. You know, Bela, for the last four years, President Trump talked about America first, America first. Yet this year, I, an American, did not get invited to the White House Hanukkah party, while our distinguished guest, Rabbi Uri Pilachowski, formerly of New Jersey, but now living in Israel, did get an invitation. Bela, I don't know if I sound bitter or jealous to you. Well, maybe just a little. Anyhow, rather, I figured rather than giving an opening monologue today, I thought we would just introduce, just jump right in, introduce Rabbi Pilachowski about his recent trip, how he got invited, why he thought this was important for him to be there, especially flying from Israel. Did he get to meet the president? But most importantly, did they serve the mini hot dogs in a blanket? Bela, would you please give Rabbi Uri Pilachowski a proper introduction? Oh, with pleasure. So last week I said to Alan, I want us to do something special on the show for Hanukkah. But at the same time, the definitive rap is also a political show. And although there's plenty of politics related to the story of Hanukkah, we decided to also do something fun. And what could be more fun than getting invited and joining the Hanukkah party at the White House? So since we didn't get invited to the White House, we decided to invite our esteemed guest, Rabbi Uri Polachowski, who agreed to join us today and who was also a guest at the White House Hanukkah party. Rabbi Uri Polachowski, who grew up in Fairlawn, New Jersey, is an Israeli citizen and former member of the Israel Civil Defense. He created the first teen pro-Israel group in the country that, st- that taught students to advocate in Congress for a stronger U.S.-Israel relationship. His students gained a national reputation that has even reached the White House. Rabbi, Rabbi Pilachowski also founded and directs Crossing the Line. American students studying in Israel are taken to Judea and Samaria with crossing the line and shown that Israelis have every right to live and govern Yesha and treat Palestinians uh, as, as, as Palestinian Arabs fairly and with all human rights. He is the author of three books, a book on time management, on the weekly Torah portion, and on the Jewish festivals. Rabbi Pilachowski is happily married to Eliza, and has six wonderful children in Mitzpah Yericho. Rabbi Polachowski, welcome to our show. <laughs> of Thank course, you very we having me. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we want to know how does one get such an invitation? Aham, aham. <laughs> me and of course, Alan. Um, is this your first invitation to the White House Hanukkah party? And I know that Alan wants to know if they serve the mini hot dogs in a blanket, but I want to know what else they serve. Who did you rub shoulders with, so to speak? What was the atmosphere like? 
Did you attend both receptions or just one? I've got a million questions. And for our listening audience and Alan and myself, who will have the opportunity to live vicariously for a few minutes, Rabbi Pilachowski, please tell us everything. And I mean every detail. Okay, so I'll try, I'll try to answer as many. I know, uh, I know. I'm putting a lot on you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, fine. Um, so first of all, again, thank you for having me. Um, second, the, uh, the White House Hanukkah party was first, uh, first conducted under President Bush, President Bush II. Um, and the invites are given to, um, I think from my observation, and I have no idea if, no, if this is true, but from observing many parties, I think that, uh, that it's given to heads of Jewish organizations, um, and organizations themselves. So every organization, every major Jewish organization gets, um, gets tickets. Um, that they can give to their leadership or to donors or to their community, whoever they deem fit, um, and given to um, to people that specifically work with the White House, uh, and then just people that uh, that they've run into that they admire. So I had a student who uh, who unfortunately experienced a lot of anti-Semitism uh, growing up. She's uh, she's 18. She's a high school senior now, but. The middle school and the beginning of high school, she experienced a lot of anti-Semitism, horrible, horrible stories that we would never want to any of our children to experience. Uh, and the White House had an event earlier in the year talking about religious freedom and, uh, and fighting anti-Semitism on, on school campuses. And they invited and asked their partners, which our organization, NCSY, is one of them, um, for students that had experienced anti-Semitism. And we identified this student and sent her to the White House for that event where she told her story in the Oval Office to the president. So she received an invitation to the White House Hanukkah party because of her established relationship with the White House and because of what she had gone through and, and powered through and is now an activist herself. And the White House admires her. Um, but that's, that's generally how the invitations are handed out. It's not my first White House party. I, uh, I thankfully boast that, uh, that I was invited both by President Obama and by President Trump to the uh, to the White House to the party, and was invited to the White House not to his party, but to the White House under President Bush. So, uh, and the way I get invited um, is based on my students' activism. Uh, my students are are very successful activists, and about twice a year, not during Corona years, but twice a year, they they go to the White House to lobby on behalf of a strong U.S.-Israel relationship. My students are incredibly impressive. They are. They're knowledgeable, they are respectful, um, and, and no matter if they agree with the president's policies or disagree with the president's policies, they express themselves with gratitude for what the president has done to support the U.S.-Israel relationship, all presidents, and, uh, and also um, are able to express their criticism, not as criticism, but as um, advocacy in terms of this is what we would rather see. And I think that the White House appreciates that there are such knowledgeable students who see things past their own, you know, their own circle of, of what's important to them. Um, and therefore, they invite me because, uh, because I can connect them to students like that and bring them into the White House. Hey, Paul, just, just a quick question. I'm trying to make this completely apolitical today. But you had mentioned that uh, you were there um, under President Obama. And I remember reading, I think, uh, on the, the last year he was there, uh, there was, I don't remember if it was a reform rabbi, but somebody, and when they lit the candles, they basically made it very universal. Um, yeah. almost like kind of blindsiding Israel um, that, uh, you know, yes, the Jews suffered, but they're suffering all over the world. And I'm just wondering, um, and again, I'm not looking at this opportunity to bash Barack Obama. I had eight years to do that myself. 
but what was the environment there like for you then versus how it is now? I mean, I know right now Donald Trump, he had just very strong support from the pro-Israel community. Um, I guess at Barack Obama's parties, it was a different environment. And again, I'm not looking to bash him, but just uh, how was it for you then versus how it is, how it was now? Well, the Hanukkah party is, is generally attended by supporters of whatever president is there, right? The president's not going to invite people that don't like him, right? That's, uh, there was one member of Congress from the Democratic Party who expressed the shock to me that he wasn't invited to the Trump Hanukkah party. And I said, but like last week, you just voted to invite him to, to impeach him. So why would you think that he's going to invite you to his house now? You know? So generally under any president, it's a feeling of, of celebration because it's a kind of a party. It's a party. Um, and uh, a feeling of support for the president because they're supporting the, the president. You know, that's, uh, that's, who they, that's they, their president and they support him. So it's always a feeling of, of celebration. There's no real difference um, in terms of uh, in terms of how the parties feel, they're all celebratory. This year was different because of Corona. Um, the party was was much much different. Um, but uh, but in terms of the atmosphere, is the same. So the okay. turnout was uh, fewer people than in previous years. Yeah, much fewer people. And do you um, think I, it's related I, to COVID or because of the political atmosphere? No, no, it's uh, completely COVID. Um, you know, everybody, whether they, you know, if you're talking about people that come from. Uh, from the organizations that are invited by the organizations and not invited, you know, so to, so to speak, personally. Uh, but the invitation, but the, their t- their, the organization can choose who they decide to take. Uh, so those people are not necessarily always supporters of the president, but they'll come no matter what, right? Because it's a chance to see the White House and a chance right, to be, right. you know, like you said, rub shoulders, uh, not necessarily with the president, but, uh, but with, with his advisors and with his cabinet members um, and, and talk to other Jews who are also politically active. So that's an amazing uh, Amazing opportunity. Uh, so, so no matter what, there there are always people that are that are there that are you know that are going to be there. But under Corona, a lot of people didn't want to take the chance and the risk. Um, it was indoors. It was a, it's a small. The White House, everybody imagines, is this massive property. It's it's very small inside. Um, so shockingly small. Uh, so you're in a you're in small spaces with a lot of people during Corona. It's not it's not necessarily the best place to be. How long did the event go on for? You have to understand, we're living vicariously over here. So, <laughs> so there are two parties, and each party is about uh, uh, two to three hours long. And then you're, uh, the White House, there's a book about this that you can. I read every book I can I can get on the White House, so I, I understand where you're coming from in terms of wanting to know every detail I could possibly know about how the White House operates, the White House, the building, the presidency. Any book I can get, I have behind me a library here um, full of books just on on the White House and the operations of the White House. So there are uh, there are military officers who are there that are escorts. Um, they're dressed in full dress uniforms um, from all branches of the uh, of the army. And their job at the at the end of the evening, they have many jobs. One is to entertain the guests; that's their primary uh, responsibility. But at the end of the evening, their resp- their job is to make sure everybody leaves the White House because there'll be people that I would. I mean, if nobody threw me out, I'd, I'd <laughs> hide, in yeah. I'd hide in a corner. You know, sneak into I'd, a room, I'd, stay there for the night. I, 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 that's exactly what I would do. I mean, there would be no. Uh, I would still be there. But uh, so what they do is they they uh, move in. Um, it's very. It's a it's a literal mil- military operation. But they start moving in and cornering everybody and then moving them down the steps and then throughout the hall. And then they, you know, they said, please get your jackets. And then they, they push you out. Um, so there's a certain time where everybody is, you know, is, uh, is politely, very politely. You never feel at all that you're being put, put upon. But uh, you know that it, the party's over. It's time to leave. 
So how does it work in terms of uh, two receptions? So they, they get the people out and then, the, and then those who stay and for then, both are, are in a waiting room? Reset, I guess they reset everything. Uh-huh. Um, and and, and where do the people between. wait, those who are staying for both? Those who stay no, for no both receptions? No, no one's invited to both. No one's invited oh, to both. I see. It's just one. You only get invited to one. Ah, right? okay. invited. No one's invited to both. I mean, uh-huh. Not that I know of. I've never heard of anybody being invited to both. So how does how does it work in terms of who how, how do they choose who gets invited to reception one as opposed to reception I don't two? Know. As everybody tries to figure out everybody everybody invited to the first reception assumes that's the A list and the second reception is the B list and everybody invited to the B to the second <laughs> one assumes they're the A list and everybody else oh, is the B list. I've tried figuring that out. I can't figure it out. There are people that are very important in both parties, um, and I've yet to be able to figure out how, uh, how who's invited to which one. Yeah, it's definitely an honor to be in, in either one. You know what? I would take the yes, third party. Sure. You know, it would be right. fine for me, too. Yeah. I do clean up if it goes up. Right, Pilachowski, you flew in from Israel. So w- one question is, why did you feel it was important? Uh, as opposed to just sending in RSVP, thank you, I'm very honored, but this is a long trip. It's COVID, but you felt it was important to go. And secondly, from the many guests who were there, uh, were you the only one who flew in from abroad? Or uh, was it a mix, part American, part from overseas? Um, no, so it's, uh, um, okay, so the, it, it, I felt it was important to go because, number one, I, I feel it's a, it's, a, it's a privilege to be at the White House. And I don't think that that's an invitation you can really say no to. Um, that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is I think that, uh, that it's our responsibility to show tremendous gratitude to the president for, uh, for, his, uh, for his, you know, and I'm talking about all presidents, but definitely for President Trump, above all, that uh, the support that he's shown Israel. So if he's going to invite me, um, I'm going to, um, I think it's my responsibility to show up. Um, and I think it's important for my students to see that, uh, yeah, that this is something that you don't, you don't say the president's just, oh, it's an invitation to URCP and no, thank you, like the apartments, but you don't want, really want to attend. Um, it should never be seen as a, uh, as an obligation. Um, and then in terms of, I was not the only Israeli in, in past years, I've been the only one from Israel invited. Um, unless it's like through an organization that you know, the organization then sends an invitation to to somebody from Israel. But uh, this year, I know for a fact that uh, some of my friends in Israel were also invited. Good. You know, I want to switch over to something else, unless Bela has more questions about I the actually, White House. Yeah, well, all right, let, let's put the White House aside for a second. Uh, yeah. But go ahead, Alan, and uh, I'll ask my question I was going to ask you about your work with crossing the line, because I think that's fantastic. Um, you know, I myself am a little bit of a daredevil. And when I was in Israel a few years ago, I took one of those tours through Abraham Hostels. Uh, they go where... Uh, most Israelis don't go, and we went on uh, a tour through Ramallah, and I really liked being in that environment. Um, but yeah. your tour is much more educational, um, and if you could tell us you know, why you started it, um, how many students you typically go with you, and uh, what's, uh, what's been accomplished uh, since you've begun that program. So uh, I think the, important, the program is, is incredibly important because uh, as much as you study something, you never really understand it until you see it especially when we're talking about how, uh, how Israel treats Palestinians. Um, that, I think, is, is incredibly important if you, don't, if, you, if you just read about it. So if you're reading the Palestinian narrative, there's, there's nothing good going on. And if you read the Israeli narrative, then there's nothing bad going on. Neither of those are true. There's room for improvement, and there's great, great slanderous libel that's, uh, that's put, put upon it, how Israel treats uh, Palestinians. Um, and Israel treats Palestinians fairly. There's not... If you take the United Nations list of human rights um, and put that against the Palestinians and then see if, uh, see if they're denied any human rights, there won't be any human rights denied by Israel. They are denied human rights by their own Palestinian authority. That is for sure. 
So Palestinians are denied human rights, but not by, Isra by Israelis. But you would never know that unless you see it. Um, you can hear so many derogatory things said about, about uh, checkpoints. So there's nothing like going to a checkpoint. Go to a checkpoint, stay there for a half hour, 45 minutes, and just watch and see what you see. Don't tell them that you're coming before. And so that's what we do. We bring groups. We go to checkpoints. We go to highways. We go to different spots. And we, uh, and we see. What do we, what do we, I don't talk. Just say, okay, here it is. This is, this is what you're looking at. And now uh, tell me when you want to leave. The bus is here. Whenever you want to get back on the bus, when the group is ready, we'll get back on. Um, and then you can ask me questions for clarification. But, uh, but I'm not trying to get, get something over with you. I once went with a left-wing organization. I like going with left-wing organizations. Um, it's just you could debate them. <laughs> what? And so it's no, an opportunity. To... I'm quiet. I'm quiet. Oh, you're I'm quiet. Okay. Really quiet. Completely quiet on the bus. I'll write a review afterwards. But I'm, I'm completely quiet. I don't go to antagonize. I go to listen and to learn. To And to educate yourself a little bit more about them. And, um, 100%. Yeah. And, and be able to be a boy, a, a, an eye for my students who, who don't right. get the opportunity. But I encourage all my students to go on anti-Israel trips um, mm -hmm. to, uh, to the West Bank. Interesting. And, uh, and, I, and we went on one trip. And they were talking about how abusive the checkpoints are. We're going to go to a checkpoint. We're going to see how abusive it is. So we pull up at the checkpoint. And the curtains on the bus are closed. So I said, we have to open up the curtains. We can't see. So they said, they said no, but it, it, it's, it's a security risk to open up the curtains. But here you are at a checkpoint seeing the, seeing the abuse. I said, I, we're not seeing anything. We're not, not seeing, we're, not, we're literally not seeing anything. You close the curtains. We literally cannot see what's going on. And they said, this is a, as secure as we can make it. You know, otherwise, you're going to be at risk if we open up the curtains. The soldiers will come on and they'll abuse you. And I said, uh, you know, I don't, I just, I'll, I'll take the chance. I said, I'm getting off the bus. If you decide to pull away, you decide to pull away. But I'm, you know, you're my, I'm your responsibility, so don't pull away. Yeah. And I got off the bus. And I said, I encourage everybody else on the bus. Come, come off the bus. You got to see this if, you, if we're really going to see it. And, of course, there was no abuse going on. In fact, we saw the opposite. We saw soldiers that were very considerate of, uh, of the Palestinians that they were checking. So that's what you'll see. So I think it's important to take Americans specifically um, but I take Europeans also, and especially students. Um, and my expertise is, uh, is dealing with students. So taking students to see for themselves what life is like over here so that they can say, you know, they see themselves. And, and I think that if you go with a left-wing organization, but you go with an open mind um, and, and see what's happening with an open mind, then you'll be, uh, then you'll be much better educated in each how are, the how are they eligible? What makes a student, a college student, eligible to attend the any, program? Any group that approaches me, I'm happy to take. Okay, okay. Um, being a club member of APAC, uh, the organization is very close to my heart. In fact, uh, I'm disappointed that due to COVID, the conference that takes place in Washington, D.C. every year will not be happening in 2021. And for those who don't know what APAC is and stands for, in a nutshell... It's the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee. It's a bipartisan lobbying group that advocates pro-Israel policies for strong U.S.-Israel relationship. Rabbi Polachowski, you are more than just a member. Uh, please tell us about your involvement with the organization. And also, you published a beautiful article for the Times of Israel explaining why we need APAC. And can you briefly tell us about that, too? Yeah, I, I, by the way, I'm not more than a member. I, I give, uh, like, APEC has donor levels. So I, so I guess in that sense, I'm not at the base. Well, you're, level you're, a, you're esteemed. You're an esteemed member. So that makes you more I, than I, just I, a member. Yeah, also, I think every member of APEC is esteemed. But, I, but in reality, just to tell the truth, and I'm not being humble, um, there are different levels of donors, but that doesn't make yeah. somebody more or less of a member of APEC. 
um, and, you know, that's, uh, I think you should give as much as you can. I try to give as much as I can. Um, so, so that's a, that's a club level that I'm in. Um, I think that APEC is incredibly important because, first of all, they're the only lobbying organization lobbying for financial aid to Israel. It's all other organizations have essentially simply just, you know, put that on APEC's shoulders and said, you do that. Yeah, you're going to do that. And that's, uh, while many Americans think that the three point, especially Israel advocates think that the American aid to Israel, the $3.8 billion a year is, uh, is guaranteed or, you know, because an MOU was signed, but it's very much not. There's been many years that it's been, uh, it's been threatened to the external uh, issues, nothing to do with Israel. Uh, so it has to be lobbied for every single year. Um, and APEC's the only one doing that. So if you don't have APEC, I'm not sure who's going to be lobbying for that and who's going to take on APEC's, uh, APEC's shoulders. But APEC does other lobbying as well. And APEC is, is bipartisan. So many organizations are not bipartisan. Um, they're very much partisan and partisan works well with your own supporters. So if you're more conservative, so then it's great. Conservatives and Republicans will, will support you. But what are you going to do now when the House is going to be under, under control of the, uh, the Democrats and the White House is going to be under control of the Democrats? And, uh, and it could very well be that the Senate's going to be under control of the Democrats. So then what are you going to do if you're, if you're a right-wing lobbyist who comes to APEC, you know, who comes to Israel, um, only to right-wing, you're not going to get anything passed now. Mm-hmm. So APEC is, is incredibly important because of its bipartisan support of Israel. Right. Um, and because it makes sure, and, and it should be told, America was not, everybody thinks that America was supportive of Israel um, on its own, right? And it's going to continue on its own. That's not true. No, they're, they're, every member of Congress, save 15 members of Congress, are pro-Israel. Um, and they're going to vote pro-Israel. But that doesn't mean that there are going to be votes for pro-Israel legislation. That doesn't happen automatically. You need activists to make sure that legislators are writing um, are writing bills and legislation to help Israel. And if nobody is encouraging them to do that, then they're not going to do that on their own. Every member of Congress has 300 issues on their on their heads that they have to worry about. Um, and uh, a member of Congress from Nebraska doesn't have Israel on the top of his list. So you need to make sure that that, mem- that somebody has a relationship with that member of Congress and is pushing them to, to write and ensure that they have co-signers on that legislation. And that's APEC's role. And nobody does it like APEC, and nobody's ever done it like APEC, and nobody will continue doing it like APEC. So then if APEC doesn't have the support of members, right, and I'm talking about financial support, let's, let's mm-hmm. say it as it is, right, financial support, so then the APEC goes away. And we can't, and the people that care deeply about the U.S.'s relationship can't afford that. How, has, uh, how have they been affected by COVID in, in terms of financially? I, I don't work for APEC, so I, I don't know. No, I know. Uh, I'm just wondering if right. you have, so you have uh, if, if you would APEC, know. Uh, I, would, I, would, right. I would imagine they are. They, they need the support I would, I would more than so ever. Also, right. They, they haven't asked me for any more money this year than normal. So, uh, yeah, so I don't know. But then again, I'm a teacher, so I don't think that I'm, I'm ever going to be the guy that they approach for, uh, for raising their in donations. So I don't, right. uh, yeah, but you'd have to ask somebody from APEC. Let me ask you a question, just from, again, a tactical um, standpoint. Uh, During this last year, during the primaries, we saw activists from If Not Now uh, showing up at Democrat primaries and getting uh, Democrat prospective uh, candidates to pledge to to withhold or condition support for Israel based on certain uh, how Israel does uh, or how they uh, treat the Palestinians. Um, do you think that that is that a tactic that APAC or other groups should also employ, but the other way? You know, instead of giving, if not now, the option or the opportunity to have a clean lane for themselves where they get to, uh, you know, say either do things our way or we're not going to support you. 
uh, do you think that more pro-Israel groups, whether it's APAC or some other group, uh, would employ the same tactic when going to uh, primary events? No, I think it was incredibly ineffective. Um, it was like three college kids who went uh, went to every single you know uh, speech by every candidate, and most candidates looked at them and, and blew them off, including uh, President Elect Biden. I think you know, that Biden I mean, was the only one, but I remember Buttigieg oh, and Elizabeth Cory Booker. Oh, look, look, Cory Booker, the day before he dropped out of the race, um, answered them for 25 minutes about how wrong they were. It's one of the greatest pro-Israel speeches about how they don't understand what they're talking about. They don't know what Israel really is. Um, it was great. It was, uh, it was okay, uh, that, unbelievable. How yeah. do you feel about Cory Booker? His response was probably the best to, to these activists. Again, it's the same three activists. You never make friends. Um, with elected officials by cornering them, making them uncomfortable, and uh, and you know putting putting them in, on the spot. That's a horrible way of being effective, and and it's ineffective. You'll never have that. So when they get a Bernie Sanders to say, "Yeah, I'm going to condition aid," it's not like Bernie Sanders until that point was, "Of course, I'm never going to condition aid." And then all of a sudden, three college kids from if not now corner him, and then his whole philosophy changes. We all know where Bernie Sanders stood before that. Uh, so that's not. I don't think that that's effective at all building relationships and showing support for members of Congress and, and treating them respectfully, not putting them on the spot. That's how, that's how you're able to show your side of the argument. That's simple. That's just, that's just simple uh, the politeness and, and refinement that, you know, that I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know these kids' parents, but the, you know, that's what our, our parents teach us, you know, how to be normal and how to speak to people respectfully, especially people like elected officials that deserve our respect. If you're if you if you're if you take a, 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 a an approach of animosity and an aggressive approach to, to members of good officials, you're going to get nowhere. So I, I think that's for, and this is why APEC doesn't do it. But uh, but I think that, that I would never. I mean, a lot of people said, oh, you should bring your kids on a on a tour of all the of Iowa when they're all speaking, and you should have them say the opposite. And I said, no, let oh, that's the worst thing to do, of course. Want. Right, let them look. They, they look like fools. You know, yeah, and they don't want to antagonize anybody. Lot. They'll they'll turn against right. you. Right, you go face to face in the parking lot, and you you grab onto the candidate's arm like they were doing, and spin them around, and and make them answer a question. I would never have my students do that. That would be yeah. you know the exact opposite of what I would want. Uh, Rabbi Polachowski, I understand you're involved with an organization, United to Heal. Uh, they're hosting a live stream benefit December 20th to 21st. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the organization United to Heal? What are they about? Who started it? What are, what, what's their, okay, what's so their I, mission? So I, I really, so first of all, the organization is called Amudim. It's not, I don't think it's, it's not called United to Heal. I think United to Heal is a hashtag that they're using for a campaign. Uh-huh. I would love to say that, that I have the bandwidth to be invited to be, or um, to be involved with them. I'm really not. Um, they turned to me to ask. They're having this telethon on December 20th to the 21st, um, which is amazing. Everybody should check this out. You can go to my Facebook page to see to see it. There's speakers in every area, from celebrities to comedy to Torah to politics. And they turned to me because I'm I'm friends with one of the people that were working on the uh, what works for the organization or works for putting this on for the organization, and asked me as a favor to uh, to do a session with uh, in, on politics. They didn't have anybody doing anything on politics. They know that I have uh, I have a good network in politics. They asked me to do it, so that's that's it. And I was able to get uh, Rabbi Ari Lightstone, who's an ambassador, American ambassador to Israel, David Friedman's chief uh, chief of staff and and senior advisor, to uh, to do a session with us. So that's the start and end of my. You know, I hope one day to be able to help that organization. It's a great organization that deals with mental health problems um, and abuse. 
uh, that, that people have had. So that's, uh, that, but that's really my, uh, my involvement in the organization. So I can't really say that I'm involved with it. I'd love to be able to, but I can't. Right. So is it is the first time they're doing it? Is, or you're yeah, not, I think you're it's not the first time they're doing it, I think, because, it's, yeah. because of Corona. I really don't know. I'm, I'm sorry that I can't. Yeah, I, I don't know. That, that's fine. Right, it's right. just, you know, Our it's just so interesting ready, and it's all over right. social media. Right. You know, so I, so I just I wanted job. to touch upon that. And, uh, right. you know, and, and I know fun. that you have a great following and I'm, I'm sure people are interested, too. But I guess they, they'll have to watch the uh, live stream. Right, right. Yeah, it, all the sessions have been taped. So I can tell you the one with Rabbi Lightstone that I did is, is very informative. It really is informative and really puts you inside the room for a lot of the, the Abraham Accords and, and, uh, and, the peace, and the peace plan and, uh, and the moving of the embassy um, in a way that, that people didn't get to see. Uh, so that I can tell you. And some of the, I've heard one other one. I've heard the, the Rabbi Goldberg and, and the Rabbi Schechter one I've heard. Um, I was allowed to listen to that early. And that was really, really special. And I imagine if, if, if those were good. But my session is not me. I'm just asking Rabbi Lightstone questions. He speaks 90% of the time. And that's what you really want to hear. You don't want to hear me. Uh, you're, you're very humble, Rabbi Polachowski. I, have to, I yes, do have to put, put that in there. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, do you have an, any questions, Alan, because we're running out of time? You know, I did want to ask you, only because something you posted recently on Facebook. Um, this is about the Georgia Senate race mm-hmm. um, and the endorsement that, again, I'm trying to keep this as nice as I can. Um, Democrat majority for Israel, led by uh, Mark Melman, they endorsed Raphael Warnock. And for anyone who doesn't know, you can Google it. There's been a lot of news now about uh, many of his past comments have just been incredibly incendiary against Israel. If you didn't know, uh, if you took away the face of the person speaking, you could think it was Linda Sarsour or anyone else. Um, and I've tried to reach out to Mark Melman via Facebook or on Messenger to ask him because um, from what I've seen, the endorsement just came now in the runoff. I didn't see an endorsement for the first uh, time he ran. So I was wondering uh, if he didn't endorse him the first time, why not? And why is he doing it now? And I'm um, I don't know. The- yeah, I don't, I don't know why they didn't endorse uh, before it. I do know why they endorse now. Um, so over the last two weeks, they've had extensive conversations with Reverend uh, Warnock um, and, uh, and have seen an involvement of his thought on Israel um, and a genuine one. They're convinced. I'm, again, I'm third hand. I, I wasn't in part of the conversations. But from the leaders that were on the phone call, they told me, and they were not so enthusiastic about him beforehand at all, um, at all. So, uh, and these people now are—they are enthusiastic about him. They do feel that he will be pro-Israel, and they feel that he'll be a friend in the Senate. Um, but they—but the main reason why they've endorsed him and they waited to endorse him until they were confident about this is because they—they've seen an evolution of his thought. They've seen him retract many of his comments that he made before. Um, that were the most troubling two hours. He does not think Israel is an apartheid state. He does not think that uh, some of the things that he accused Israel beforehand of, he sees differently now um, and explained why he thought that they, why he thought they were beforehand and now understands why they're not. So they don't think it's just, you know, campaign rhetoric that's meant to get support, um, but they see a real evolution in his thought and therefore they felt confident um, as their Democrat organization. So they're obviously going to endorse the Democrat in the race and not the Republican in the race if they don't see the person as a threat and see him as a friend. We really are out of time, Rabbi Pilichowski. Thank you so very much for joining us. It's been a true honor. Uh, Thank you for agreeing to be on our show. And um, on behalf of our listening audience, 
and Alan, we thank you. Um, and maybe you can get us an invitation to next year's White House Hanukkah party, hint, hint. A whole, whole different uh, all different <laughs> Everything for next year. So uh, I hope I get invited next year. I hope that I can, I really hope that my students can impress the Biden administration as much as previous administrations, and I hope that I get that invite, but there's no guarantees. Okay, listen, Uri, happy Hanukkah to you and your family. Happy Hanukkah, everyone. And keep posting pictures of the balcony of your house. I love the view that you have. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your hosts, Bela Sebro and Alan Skorsky. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can listen to The Definitive Wrap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Wrap.